doing that inner work that is so critical. When you do that inner work that transforms things inside of the classroom. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Welcome to the What's a Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. What's good, revolutionaries? <laughs> I don't know why I laugh after that every time. I listen to myself all the time when I say that on previous shows and I laugh, right? It's my way of ingratiating myself to you, revolutionaries. I wanna know what's good. I wanna know how you're doing. I wanna know what's going on in your lives. And I'm wishing you well when I say that. What's good, revolutionaries? You know, I want to make sure that you are looking at your life as this opportunity to proliferate who you are. I speak about that as my work at Camelback Ventures. How do we proliferate our entrepreneurs and their brands? I want to know, revolutionaries, how are you proliferating yourselves? Because that's what revolution is. Our ability to transform ourselves, to make, our, make us into these better versions of ourselves. I was talking to my good friend, Amber Hamilton, and this quote that I put up a long time ago in 2020, that who you are now is standing on a mountaintop of the past versions of yourself. That's who you are. And if you're making yourself better each day, if you are actually proliferating your revolution, you have the ability to look down the mountaintop revolution and say, and looking at those past versions of yourself and saying, you know what? I'm glad that you are a past version. I don't want to be that version of myself anymore. And so we are with you and supporting what we think here is the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? And as we continue to go through this pandemic, there is a light revolutionaries. If we think about that, just for a second, that last year this time we began, right? We were free, <laughs> you know, it's February. I remember being on the slopes in Colorado and, and, and having a good time and turning to the person next to me. I was like, have you heard about this COVID thing or this coronavirus? He was like, yeah, you know, it's a little something, but, you know, I'm really not worried about it. We've been through a revolution, revolutionaries. We've been through a revolutionary and there's some light in the there's some light even though these variants have come about, there is some light. I look at my New York Times every morning and I see the numbers of infections dropping. I see the numbers of deaths dropping. That is a revolution. That is our opportunity to say, as a people, we have been able to weather. We still have work to do. We still need to wear our masks. We still need to social distance. We still need to take care of each other. But if we think about revolutions coming to a fruition and coming to end, there is a light. And so we are wishing you well. One of those things is revolutionaries is that we think about our education. We think about the education of our students. And as President Joe Biden said, he wants to work fervently in getting every student back in the classroom. But most school districts around the country have been closed for almost a year in some matter. Children have been in and out of their school doors. Their regimens have been thwarted. But as we move back in this space full time, pushing our students and families, teachers and administrators back into an environment that they're not used to, how do we support them? How do we give them what they need? What is our revolution to give every student and family the ability and opportunity to thrive? And I began to think about who do I want to have this conversation with? Who do I want to talk about inspiring, right? To teach, to inspire, right? To hustle, right? To, and I, I'm probably going to get that teach, hustle, and inspire, that's it. There we go. Make sure I got my man's brand. I wanted to talk to Dr. Sean Woodley, this brother who is doing amazing things around the country, working with teachers, working with families, working with administrators, right? So that we teach, that we hustle, and that we inspire our kids to do the best things that they can do. They can learn and be inspired. So Dr. Sean Woodley, welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. Thank you, brother. And thank you for all the work that you're doing around the country. How are you? 
Dr. Corporal, let me tell you something. I'm getting ready to pass around this offer and pray plate right, right here in my office because you're preaching. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. I'm, 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 I might pass it to myself and pass it one more time. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, sir. I, I really appreciate the invitation to join in on such an important discussion. I, I, I do not take it lightly, lightly that you're sharing your platform with me. So before I say anything else, I want to express my gratitude and humble thanks and appreciation to you, doctor. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Thank you. But again, brother, let me, you know, we often don't ask this question, you know, and you know, remember we talked in the green room. I, you know, we, 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 we answer in a certain manner that, you know, allows people not to engage with us, but Dr. Woodley, how are you? You know what? I'll answer your question by telling you this. I was recently in a car accident, maybe Mm. six weeks ago. And what happened to make a very long story short, uh, I'm driving my car. And as I slow down to avoid, as I slow down, there's a car in front of me that's getting ready to make a left-hand turn. So I'm I'm listening to a podcast and I'm just going about to enjoy my day to pick up my daughter. Um, In my just being aware of my surroundings, I hear screeching behind me. I look in my rearview mirror and there's a truck heading straight towards me, fishtailing, just kind of out of control. And in that moment, I'm in a two-lane street. The right of the right side of me is a ditch, the left side is oncoming traffic. So in a split second, I had to make a decision and I can only go off of the road but so much before I would go all the way over. So I got off the road as far as I can, one tire on the on the gravel, one tire on the road, and just brace for impact. Car hit me. Car hit me so fast that he hit me, bounced off of me, hit a car in oncoming traffic, then hit the car in front of me that I was slowing down. And then he went in the ditch. Dr. Corporal, as sure as I'm standing here right now, it shook me up. And old Sean, the Sean that I'm standing on now, would have gotten out of that car and would have had some choice words, would have had some ill-advised things to say after making sure that others were okay. But I, I, I would have been in a state of anger and frustration. But you know what came out of me? Gratitude. Gratitude. In that moment, I was grateful because it was only my car that has sustained damage and not me any more than you know, I'm, I'm doing some physical therapy right now and things of that nature, but I'm, I'm, I'm able to walk. I'm able to talk. I'm, I was able to call my wife in that instance to her come and pick up my daughter while we waited to sort things out police wise and so forth. But it didn't have to be that way. Dr. Corporal, I'm, it, I, I could have not had the wherewithal to get out off the side. I could have, that person could have hit me directly. I could have ended up in the ditch. I mean, there are a number of outcomes that could have happened. And what came out of me was gratitude. Yes. So, because I could have had my daughter with me, I could have had my son with me. There are so many things could have gone worse, but I'm here. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm recovering, but I'm here. So I say to answer your question, how am I? I'm grateful. Yes. Brother, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I appreciate the, vulnerability that goes into talking about gratitude in an, in an event like that. My frat brother, Steve Harvey, you know, I listen to him on occasion, usually when I'm going to the gym early in the morning, I hear the, his, his morning show. And if you catch, if you catch Steve at the end, he usually gives his motivational speech at the end. And this morning he, this morning he was feeling himself, <laughs> you know, and Steve has that, Steve has that gravitas and he was feeling himself. And the key to his message that morning was we're still here. And understanding that everything that we have been through, Dr. Woodley, over the last year, the lives that have been lost, friends, family members, loved ones, comrades, community members, all the people that have been lost, almost 500,000 people at the recording of this show, Dr. Woodley. 
But what he said was the reality of that we are still here and that we can't make light of that, that we show gratitude and remorse for those who are not with us. But remembering that we are still here. And I began to think about as he as he talked. Is that. And it was really this show aired around the time that was the one year anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death. Mm hmm. And I have this meme say it on, saved on my IG you know, boards, and it says, the biggest mistake that we have, that we make in life is, the, is that the belief is that we will have more time. That we will have more time. And Steve, and, you know, as he talks about it, he was like, we are still here. And I'm sure in that moment that you were like, that my life flashes upon me, that all these different things, that I could jump out of this car and give this brother a piece of my black man's mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the gratitude of still being here to live another day, to have more moments with your wife and your daughter and your family. That is, that is, that is the gratitude of it all because things could be different. And that we must all, if I'm saying to you something revolutionaries, that if you're listening to this podcast, you are still here. You're still here. You are still here. You're still hearing Dr. Sean Woodley's words. You're hearing my words. You're still here. And I'm going to give credence to brother Steve Harvey that he said that he's going to get his right. And not in the rambunctious and gravitas. He said that we are still here, that we still have opportunities and that we don't know when that moment is going to be. We don't know when the lights are going to go out and that we must take every moment to be gra grateful of the moments that we have, but we still need to get ours. We still need to be in service of others, right? Because that is a part of getting ours. We still need to be in service of others. We still need to find ways to give back, to love on our communities. And so I appreciate that, Dr. Woodley. You know, as, as people ask, you know, as, as I look on your chest, <laughs> teach, hustle and inspire it is a wonderful thing knowing that my family has been in, been engaged and engulfed in education all of our lives why is this your mantra why is teach hustle inspire the your mantra to go out into the world the idea that teach hustle inspire presents is identity it is purpose and it is motivation for me because it resonates so well with me and what I'm doing. I feel that that is easy. It's easy to resonate with others. I get questions sometimes. Well, how did you come up with it? Where does it come from? The, each of these three words, they're not arbitrary. They have purpose behind them. I didn't just choose them. The teachers about how we unlock intellectual treasure each day. When these students walk through the doors, our classrooms, how do we get them from where they are to where they need to be to go out into society and become productive citizens? The hustle that has a little bit of my background, one of the old Sean's that I'm standing on, that has a little bit of a 90s hip hop vibe to it. We can't stop learning and we won't stop learning <laughs> because in this world, change is inevitable. Change is necessary, and without change, there is growth. To grow, you have to continue to learn. That learning is not, that's not for the students, that's for us. And that inspire part, that's probably the most important. That's about spreading love and light. Because with what we're doing, mm. there is so much opportunity, and sometimes we can become isolated with what we're doing, especially in the middle of a pandemic so easily to, to kind of just sit back and, and be in your own world and close everything off. We have to, with purpose, we have to, with conviction, spread love and light. That's how we're designed as human beings, doctor. We are designed to be, we are relational creatures. We are creational creatures by nature. Spread love and light. Spread love and light, brother. I, I I love all those, you know. And as a child of as a child of eighties and nineties hip hop, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. The hustle is the 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 hustle is is, is ironically in the middle part 
Because if you're not hustling, you're not spreading love and light, right? Mm-hmm. You know, being able to teach is 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 one thing. It right? is, but the hustle is a part of the game that 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 we know that and that that aspect, Doctor mm-hmm. Woodley, is that if you're a great teacher, exactly, you know the hustle, right? I think about my good friends Jennifer Eason and Chris Jacobs at Green Run High School, my my alma mater, who are still there that we taught together. You know, a long time yes. ago. Shout out yes. to them. They are hustlers, dear brother. <laughs> they are they are hustling every day and trying to find That's new it. and innovative ways to educate our kids. And in that hustle, well, you in that hustle, you maybe you're right. I, maybe I am preaching tonight. <laughs> in that hustle, Jen inspires kid and kids in avid, right? She always talks about how her avid kids are coming back to Green Run to motivate the next generation of students. I think about my brother, Chris Jacobs, who created an iLab for students who were underrepresented and underserved, right? Underserved to give them these exponential, right? Experiential learning experiences outside of the classroom because he knew that the traditional aspects yep. of learning yep. were just not going to fit them, right? And so what ha- has happened, if we look about this, if we, if we nerd out a little bit, Dr. Woodley, that the research has shown that these students who are going through iLab, right, are scoring better, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. are scoring better on standardized mm-hmm. tests mm-hmm. than their peers. They're going on and graduating and moving on and, and, and looking for various and more diverse ways of working in the world, right? We think about yeah. teach, hustle, and inspire and what that means. Ironically, I'm not talking about two black teachers yep. either. I'm talking yep. about two white teachers who just got it, right? <laughs> who just got it. How, so what was the impetus for this? How did this begun, be, excuse me, how did this begin with this whole idea of teach, hustle, and inspire? Teach, hustle, and inspire as a brand is less than two years old. But as an ideology, it's 15 years in the making. It's something that sparked my my interest for growth and transformation in education was sparked in August of 2009. I started teaching in 2006, but, but really in 2009 was when that really spark hit me because I was kind of that a pivotal point in my career where I wanted to do more. And I started to explore some things. Is it that maybe I want to move up the ranks and become an administrator, AP principal, maybe director at some level? Do I want to maybe see about some other opportunities where I can have a greater impact? And I attended those, one of those back to school opening convocations for the school district. And it was in the Norfolk scope. And so here we are, full August, getting ready for the school year, rah, rah, all of those types of things. And the speaker, the keynote speaker that day, coincidentally enough, was a professor from Hampton University. I had never had him. I was not familiar with him at the time, at least. But he came in there and lit a fire under me like never before. I am going to say Dr. Adolph Brown. Are you going to say Dr. Adolph Brown? (laughs) You know he's a green ring grad. He's a good friend of mine. I knew when you were telling this story. Dr. Adolph Brown, look, we had a conversation a couple weeks ago, man. I'm excited that he's coming on the show soon. But I knew exactly who you were talking about. Please finish this story because you're right. He lights a fire underneath you. Like never before. And I, I left out of there that day and said, that's it. I said, if if I could just have a piece of an impact on others, like I, because I was having success at the building level, helping other teachers, I had started to volunteer to do some staff development. I was helping some other teachers, being a new teacher mentor. But I said, I, I want to do more. And that showed me how I could do it. So what happened was after that time, I, that was August. And by October, I was enrolled in a PhD program. Because I was that determined and that motivated to do something. 
I said, there's something else that I need to learn, but I wasn't sure what. So I enrolled in a program that would help me to get to that next level. So here I am teaching full-time, a full-time PhD student and DJing. So I, to say I was hustling is an understatement. <laughs> and I was, I mean, I'm getting it all. Just trying to soak in as much as possible, just trying to do as much as possible. So by the time that I finished that program, it took me five years, but I got it done, Doc. And when I when I left out of there, I said, all right, now it is time for me to get to that next level. And I began to put some applications in so that I can try and teach at the collegiate level and begin trying to have that greater impact by influencing current and or future educators. And I said, at the same time, I was, I, I was kind of experiencing that entrepreneur bug. I, I'd already had that and I got hit with that in college, but I kind of really wasn't sure how to see that to fruition until I met or until that experience where I understood that I could merge education and entrepreneurship. Yes. And so Teach, Hustle, Inspire, I say all of that to say, while the brand at a surface level is two years old, it's been in the making since August of 2009. And and really, it it formulated Dr. Corporal maybe in about 24, 36 hours max. And what I mean by that is I'm sitting in my office and the good Lord just put those three words on my spirit. Not just those three words, but what the, the meaning and the intent behind them. And I'm a very visual person. I'm a very, I consider myself a creative and I got on my computer and kind of just started creating some different ways that was, I said, I need something that's going to be clean. I said, I need it to be direct. Boom, came up with it. And I said, let me test this idea. And so I have a podcast and I switched the branding of my podcast and also posted it on my Instagram. And in the first two hours, I got, a strong reaction. What is this? Wow. You should put this on a shirt. Boom. That's all I need. <laughs> and so I took that with everything that I was doing at that point. I had a couple of speaking engagements. I was doing some consulting at a small level, but I took that and used the brand to take that to the next level. I put everything I had behind it and didn't look back. Yes. Yes. Doc, you know, that, that's an amazing story. And, you know, thinking about when you have a brand that comes out of, you know, comes out of fruition, like almost God sent, right? There's, there's this opportunity and, and, and thankful that this green run graduate of Dr. Adolph Brown was able to, you know, light, the, light this fire. Yeah. It is very interesting because what I want to say is that it takes courage mm -hmm. to really think about, I'm going to leave, you know, it sounds like you left the teaching profession. Mm -hmm. um, and started doing this consulting around teach, hustle, and inspire, that it was this opportunity to move this into, well, I, I, I'm this person who has this ability to bring a brand that will allow administrators and teachers and students and families to find ways to excel yeah. and thrive, right? If if I'm thinking about this from an entrepreneurial perspective, you know, my revolutionaries is, is they're thinking about, building their business, right? You had something that provided fire to people. They started asking like, what is this brand? It captured something. Mm -hmm. If I think about the entrepreneur, I'm putting on my entrepreneur hat right now. It was something to inspire. It's, I find it quite, you know, similar because it was the same thing with what's your revolution mm -hmm. at graduation, <laughs> you know, at, at graduation, Tom Friedman, everybody's heard the story. He talks about revolution in Tahir Square and those three words, what's your revolution come up, right? And it's been a brand. This brand is, this brand is 10 years old this year. Awesome. And, awesome. you know, and it has the ability to inspire. And, I, and that's what I love. How were you able to make that move to full entrepreneurship? And what is your role now in helping families and students thrive? It, it's something for me that I had to get comfortable taking risks and I did it gradually. So what I, I kind of, it's funny that you asked me this because I was thinking about this maybe earlier today and yesterday uh, and trying to understand, like if somebody asked me, how, how would I explain what I've done? 
And essentially it comes down to recognizing what I don't know. All of my formal schooling has been around education, human growth and development, even some psychology, not anything having to do with entrepreneurship. So I had to learn and get comfortable taking risks. I had to get comfortable investing in myself. I started everything with credit cards. I I didn't have any sort of nest egg from which I could tap into. I don't come from a family of wealth. And so if, if there was anything that was going to happen, I had to do it myself. I believed in myself enough to take that risk because I knew it was going to pay off. I I knew that I'm putting things out into this world that are providing value, that are changing lives. And I knew that, please, my daughter just got home. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. I'm, I'm doing things that are adding value to this world and that are aligned with helping students, solving a problem, and, and fulfilling my purpose. I said, I can't go wrong. And so even with that though, I, I had to get comfortable taking incremental risks with spending money on myself to learn. I had to really, I, I believe in working with coaches. I believe in investing myself and my time. Everything that I have people now do in my business, I learned to do myself mm-hmm. first. So that number one, when I'm hiring you for this, I know what to ask. You're not going to BS me. You're not going to get over on me. I know exactly what you should be doing and what sort of results that should be coming from this. So, so you know, it's, it's an investment that I gladly made of time and resources because again, I had that fire and that fire still burns in me today, Dr. Corporal, but it is something that I had to get comfortable with because those investments, the more I grew, the more those investments you know, grew as well as far as what I had to spend to grow, but I saw a return on that. And that made it more palatable for me, if you will. Yes, exactly. And so anybody who's thinking about going out, consulting, starting their business, you know, we talk about this before, like what's your value proposition, right? And that's the thing. What's, what are you providing, right? What's the problem that you're solving? What is the, what is, you know, what are you providing to solve that problem that other people are not mm-hmm. right? And if you're in a space, because, you know, this consulting space, you know, around educating teachers, it's pretty expansive. Yeah. How do you weed, how do you weed out the noise and present yourself, right? As teach, hustle and inspire when other people are looking at is that you provide value that no one else can't. Right. And so that's the question that I ask is if we're thinking about teach, hustle and inspire, how are you providing value that no one else can't? Right. Particularly in this time, in this Mm -hmm. pandemic time, as schools are opening up, as they're thinking about how do I educate our students of color? Mm -hmm. How are you providing something that no one else can? Several ways. Number one. The most obvious, I think, is that Teach, Hustle, Inspire doesn't look like anything else that you might see in your traditional speakers or education consulting space. So I'm fortunate enough that it stands out. Number two, I am very, very big on relationships. Even before COVID hit, excuse me, past clients that I've had, I made sure that when I go in there, and whether it is a keynote, whether it is a workshop or some consulting, I over-deliver every single time. I make sure that there are no stones left unturned and that by the time that I walk out of that space, whatever it is, that their jaw is still on the floor in amazement. That's, that's literally my purpose every single time that I go. And I develop and maintain relationships. I send my clients some of them I'm on a text message basis with how, Hey, how's everything going? These clients of mine, Merry Christmas. Here's a, a, here's, here's something for you. Don't even worry about it. And, and those things, not just for the sake of business, but because these people are number one people that I genuinely and truly care about. They're leaders in some capacity in their building and their well being affects the well being of their teachers, which affects the well being of those students. And I think that those things are important Beyond that, it helps me from a tactical standpoint to stay at top of mind so that when these opportunities do present themselves, let me call Dr. Woodley. I had a client 
that I just, before we got on this call, I just finished with providing a virtual session. And because that was a referral from one of my previous clients, I'm all about relationships and, and those things, when you pour into those things, it's extra time and it's extra energy. But number one, I go back to the connection. We are connectional. We are relational. We are creational beings. So there is no loss in that for me because I'm living in my purpose as a relational being. But then also, too, again, I'm solving a problem. Right. I'm solving a problem that is near and dear to my heart as being a black male, as having black children. And so this is all something where I believe the intersectionality of this is, again, I can't lose. I feel like I am helping. I feel like that I'm contributing. And I know that I'm solving and I'm helping to move at the end of the day, move some of these students out of their darkness, whatever it may be, and into their marvelous light so that they can become the genuine, authentic people that they were created to be. I, I truly I truly, truly believe that every single educator in the classroom wants the best that they can for their students. I have no choice to believe that. Yeah. You know, I, I think about my time, you know, as a teacher and always wanting the best. Yes. Always wanting the best. You know, I, I loved, I loved teaching. I loved coaching. Um, I love my students. I remember, you know, I was teaching high school. Unfortunately, everybody knows I was able to teach back at Greenwood High School. Like, I love those years. I can look back on those years and and know that I was had that ability to give everything to them, right? You believed mm -hmm. in them. You know, mm -hmm. you believed in their stories. You believed in their goodness. Yes. As you think about this, Dr. Woodley, what are the problems that school divisions and students and families are facing that you are helping them solve? The biggest one is that the way we are taught to be teachers doesn't align with how our students learn. And I'm talking about in urban, specifically in urban and culturally diverse schools. What I help schools and teachers do and what separates me from the pack is that I focus, one of my specific focuses is helping to remove the lens, if you will, or to expose the lens rather, that when we go into our classrooms, many of us teach the way that we are taught. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that does not work as far as high levels of engagement and high levels of motivation. So we wonder why we have students that are apathetic. We wonder why we have students that don't show up. We wonder why we have students that really don't have that have low levels of efficacy and don't really have any drive behind what they're doing. They don't see the value. They don't see the purpose because it's not effectively being communicated by the teachers who want the best for their students, but don't have the tools to get it out of them. So what I do is I use Teach, Hustle, Inspire as a beacon for attention. I use it as a beacon to say, here's what you can do. Here's what you need to learn about yourself and how that connects to your students, which directly relates to how they respond to you and how you're able to teach them. That internal work. Internal work. That internal work. That internal work. Internal work. And Dr. Willie, that, that scares people. Yeah. That that scares people. You know, I, you know, in my consulting days, I remember sitting in front of people and say that we're going to do this internal work for a couple of weeks together before we even start thinking about policy shift or practice changes. And there, everybody's looking at me, well, I just want to get started. Like I, I, I'm ready. You're wasting my time, yeah. Charles. And, and then after going through that personal work, their personal journeys, getting them to unearth some of the emotions and feelings that they have had and never said outwardly to mm -hmm. people who don't, look like them, hearing those stories of their colleagues of color, their colleagues who are LGBTQIA, right? Their, their colleagues who are people of color. All of a sudden you're like, wait, this is your story? Wait, this is this visceral reaction that I'm having right now that I've got to deal with in this space? Oh, wait, <laughs> oh, how am I going to create a policy like this 
oh, well, now this is the this is the place where I want you to be. <laughs> this is when you can have these open and honest conversations because now you have a little bit more empathy about what's going on. You can empathize with your colleagues because oftentimes maybe they're the only person in the room. <laughs> right. And you've been carrying your privilege into the room. Yes, I said privilege. People get over it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you've been carrying your privilege into the room. And that person is now right. Carrying their marginal. They, look, their marginalization weight is even greater. Yes. Yes. And so moving into that personal work, I think every educator, regardless from the superintendent on down, has to do that personal work. Yeah. I am grateful for my good friend, Dr. Aaron Spence, who is the superintendent of Virginia Beach Public Schools, another class of 89 graduate of Green Run High School. Um, but his empathy, right, his ability to see the totality of his of his mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Edu educational bandwidth, right, to understand that he has almost 70,000 students that he has that he is charged with mm -hmm. that are in his stead. And thinking through that, and even he, as a, even he as a white man, understands that there is still work to be done personally every, yes. every day. Yes. And I applaud you because it's not easy pushing people to look within themselves. Mm -hmm. We all have to do that, even as black men who are in the classroom, right? Yes. I remember reading research, Dr. Woodley, that talked about some of the, you know, some of the hardest opponents of black boys or black men. I was guilty of that. You know, I was guilty of that. Tell me about that. You know, unearth that for me, Dr. Woodley. So essentially when I first be, when I, when I started teaching, I got the offer. I went in there and killed the interview. I was excited. Got the offer. And a couple of things happened. Number one, thinking about my experiences and what I saw strong educators doing, always in the back of my mind and continually at play, coupled with the fact that when I got that offer, I began to tell people, this is a new opportunity for me. I'm going to start teaching fresh out of college. Where are you going to teach? And I would tell them, oh. You want, you want to teach it those? Mm, good luck. Every single time. On top of the fact that when I started teaching, it was not the beginning of the school year. It was six weeks into the school year because the previous person in that role had left. So in my mind, I'm going to teach those kids at that school. I'm going in a position where they just ran that person out of there. I need to come in there and shut things down. That's, that's, that's my mentality in that. And so for the first two years that I taught there, middle school, with some of those students with the weight of the world on their shoulders, but no, mm -mm, me, I'm coming in there to shut things down. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fit into a mold of who I thought those kids needed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't realize that I was doing is that in my attempt to shut things down, I, I did that. I didn't have any discipline problems. I rarely had discipline problems. Many, not many times did the administrators need to come by my classroom because when you walk by, there was silence. Not understanding that in my effort to shut down quote unquote behavior issues, I was also shutting down opportunities for connection. I was also shutting down opportunities for those students to engage with me and learn as one of the few black males in that building. Yes. Mm -hmm. As sure as I'm standing here or sitting here right now, it still to this day makes me feel some type of way of, of some of the students who may have slipped between the cracks because they were in my charge. But I was too deep, trying to fit into a mold of who I thought those kids needed and missed out on some opportunities. Thankfully, I got myself together with the rude awakening towards the end of my second year when the parent of a young lady called and said that my daughter is scared in your classroom. Like wow. that's, that's the type of environment that I was creating. I created an environment of fear and, and psychologically speaking, you cannot learn 
let alone be comfortable in, a, in an environment where you are scared. But here I am trying to be who I thought those kids needed. Those kids. And that endearing part, mm -hmm. you know, even though we look yeah. and those kids look like us. Correct. Right. We think that we, we buy we buy into the stigma. We buy into the stigma. Those kids. I remember when I when my I was substituting um, mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. I got my first mm -hmm. teaching job. I was at Ruffner, Ruffner Middle School in Norfolk. Ruffner, <laughs> Ruffner, Ruffner, was, rough. <laughs> Ruffner was a tough place. Ruffner, Ruffner was rough. <laughs> yeah. Ruffner was rough. And I remember I remember that time I was like, wow, these kids are bad, man. I was like, I, I, I would never want to teach in a place like this. Right. But ultimately, this is this is where my parents were teachers yeah. and administrators. They were in Norfolk. My father's a product of Norfolk Public Schools, you know, and so I remember getting my first teaching job and, 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 and thinking, like, mm -hmm. I've got to do better. And I was I was in an environment mm -hmm. that didn't challenge me like like that. But when I moved to Green Run mm -hmm. in 2001, my high school had changed. The demographics had changed and it was us. Mm -hmm. It was us. And wow had the label of gang run and yeah you want to talk about some of the best years of teaching yes sir teaching psychology bringing students of color into ap psychology and psychology and, yes, sir. and mentoring our boys and just finding the path right finding the light yes sir my boys in my mentoring program gave me light and you know dr will i remember that when we started this program, Brothers of the Academy, they had beef with each other. I remember one dude walked in, he walked in, we were like, let's welcome this brother. The other dude says, you know what? <laughs> I'm basically going to, like, when this is over, we're going to fight. Yep. Like, when we walk out into the classroom, we're going to fight. Like, you said something to my sister, bro. I'm about, to, I'm, about to, I'm about to take it to you. Yes, yes. By the end of this program, brother, I'm, I'm, by the end of this program, I'm Dr. Corporate because of them. But, yeah. but by the end, these brothers are hugging and loving each other. I'm your brother. I'm with you. Yeah. You know, and so, but I had to do my own work. Sounds like you had to do your own work too. You, the point of this is that we cannot walk into a classroom just because we look, we are black and male and expect that 100%. we are the best people to educate our children. Yes. Every teacher has to do their personal work. And that's what we're asking that's what we're asking. If you're thinking about teach, hustle, and inspire, right? The teaching part, if you look at this from the individual perspective, is that yes. you've got to look inward. That's the mm -hmm. part of your own learning, right? And then you've got to hustle. you got to hustle. Yeah. you got to, you know, don't quit, don't stop, right? Figure out what's inside of you and then hustle to be better. And yeah. then only yeah. then can you inspire others. There's a, there's a level of specialized <laughs> knowledge that comes with it. That That's really... The, the, the crux of that hustle part, because what are you reading? What are you engaging with? What sort of learning opportunities are you taking advantage of to further yourself as a practitioner? And what we have to understand is that as you begin to unlock that intellectual treasure and teach, and you can't stop and you won't stop learning with the hustle and then inspire spreading love and light, doing that inner work that is so critical when you do that inner work that transforms things inside of the classroom, it will transform even more outside of the classroom, which directly impacts, again, it's cyclical yeah. what you do inside of the classroom. It works hand in hand. Yes, I love that. No, I, I, I love that. Yes. I love that, dear brother. It is a cycle. And that cycle, that revolution. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> that revolution right there will allow you to proliferate students and families. Dr. Wigley, as we, as we think about closing, I want to ask about you. We haven't talked to, uh, at length about mm -hmm. who is Dr. Woodley, but I want you to answer this question in, how is Dr. Woodley taking care of himself during this time? This is a show for men and the people who love them, showing how men can revolutionize themselves. How are you taking care of yourself during this time? You know, with, with everything that is going on, I was talking to my wife about this. Uh, we've talked about this actually several times. And I am very grateful, again, going back to that word, that through all of this, home is still happy for me. 
there is absolutely no way that in this last year, when my revenue as a business has doubled, more than doubled, no way that that would have happened. Working from home with my wife working from home, no way that would have happened if I was not happy. No way that that would not have happened if we don't have a genuine enjoyment of one another's company. No way would that not have happened with my two kids being two and five, as much energy as they have and as much as they drive me crazy, but pouring love into them, Dr. Corporal, and in them return pouring love back into me and energizing me, no way that doesn't happen. No, no way that that doesn't influence my happiness and what I'm able to do and putting me in a position now to continue to serve others. So I, I say all of that to say I've been very intentional and strategic with a lot of the relationships that I've put myself into. And in times where the world essentially can be on fire and you have to hunker down, you see how important it is to surround yourself with the right people. So my wife and my kids and even our circle of, of friends that we may Zoom here and there or some of my partners, some of my frat brothers that I keep in contact with that pour back into me I make it an I make it and I make it a point to really connect as much as possible because again understanding that physiologically we are we are relational and we although we can't do it in the physical sense as much as we would like to at least get some sort of satisfaction there so you know as a as a person right now I feel good right now as a person I feel that I'm blessed and I know how I know that that light is there that you mentioned and little bit by little bit as the numbers continue to go down and the world opens back up. I can't wait to get back outside and get back in mm, and on yes. the stages and get back in these schools. But in the meantime, <laughs> I am home and I'm happy being at home mm. and I'm happy. And I, I, I love that. And black men don't often talk about happiness. Yeah. Right. What makes us happy? You know, oftentimes we're chastised, you know, you, you see the hashtag blackboard joy and we're like, mm -hmm. you know, and these representations of blackboard joy mm -hmm. and overly saying, I am happy with my family. I'm happy being able to spread love, to spend time in community. We have taken that for granted. Definitely. Right. Now, must have give a shout out. Dr. Woodley is a member of Alpha Phi Alpha, you know, and the fraternal aspect yes. of being right? I'm a, a Omega, you know, uh, the fraternal aspect of spending time with like-minded people. Absolutely. Right. And even though that we are in different fraternities, spending time here is therapeutic. It is. Absolutely. Is that opportunity to do the things that we're joyful, you to talk about your work, me to sit in space with you to learn more and to figure out how we can pontificate and proliferate this information to help the greater good. Absolutely. To make us happy, to smile. What does it feel like because when we are happy, right, we have the ability to attract. That's it. And that's what happens. And, you know, happiness comes within. We, we cannot look for others to bring us happiness. Mm -hmm. They can only add to this joy. And so even in this time, we must find ways to bring happiness, whether it's a hug, whether it's reading something inspirational yes. and spiritual, motivating. Yes. Watching your favorite show, yep. getting out in the cold with your frat brothers on a cycle, right? I miss the bruh. I, I miss being on the bike. We will get there. Yes. Yes, indeed. Those things make us happy. And we must, we must shout it out to the world that we can be happy people that men and black men and men of color can be happy and, it, and we can show our blackboard joy. So do those things, brother. I appreciate you. You know, I know we didn't get to ask this question at the beginning of the show. So I need to ask you, Dr. Sean Woodley, What's your revolution? Mm -hmm. What's your revolution? What's your revolution? <laughs> My revolution is to teach, hustle, and Man. inspire. There it is, revolutionaries. Make sure you go. Where can people find you, Dr. Woodley? TeachHustleInspired.com, as well as all forms or platforms of social media. I'm there pretty much every day. If you look up the hashtag TeachHustleInspire, I'm sure I'll come up or just at TeachHustleInspire. 
Gotcha. Brother, I appreciate the time. And let me say this. I am grateful. <laughs> I Look, I'm grateful in expressing tremendous gratitude for the time. I know your little daughter seems like she wants some daddy time. So I'm going to let, let you go spend some time. I know how excited I remember as a child myself when my father came home and my mother yeah. came home. I was excited to see them. And so I remember and now my father, who is 92, when I walk in the wow. door of his house, he's excited to see me. So go spend that time with your family. And revolutionaries, look, there's a light and we are still here. Yes. There is a light, is a light, a light and we are still here. Here, here. Make sure that you are running into that light and make sure that you are finding ways to make this your time, revolutionaries. Find your revolution. And if you're in the midst of it, keep going. Keep going and look back, reach back to find someone else and bring them into the light, revolutionaries. Bring them in so they can find their revolution. Bring them in so they can find their revolution. Be the beacon of light for them. I wish you well. I wish you well. I love you. I love you. I can't wait to spend time with you, revolutionaries. I'll talk to you soon and make sure, make sure that you can answer what we think is the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.